another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we're discussing Season 9, Episode 13, which is titled No Good Deed Goes Unpunished. Ain't that the tr- damn truth? The episode aired on January 30th, 2003. Lauren, what was going that week 20 years ago? First, I have to complain about this all being in 2003 because my brain every time i go to type these dates immediately tries to omit the two zeros and i keep typing 23 it's not this year it's 20 years ago and my my brain just can't fucking deal with it so that's I thought my... you meant the year 23 i was like what the hell lauren no it's the year 2003 but my brain is typing this 23 is in 2023 either way uh this is my new bane for notes now that boys to men has been unleashed for so long throwback (laughs) and to keep ignoring the headlines we'll go ahead and do them anyway at super bowl 37 the tampa bay buccaneers crushed the oakland raiders 48 to 21 the mvp was tampa bay safety dexter jackson uh sports delegation anything to note (laughs) Uh, a couple things. Uh, one, this is a really funny Super Bowl because uh, the year prior, the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, noted piece of shit, John Gruden, uh, he uh, was the coach of the Oakland Raiders, and he got traded to Tampa Bay just prior to this season. The guy who took over for him in Oakland was one of his assistants, a guy named, by the name of Bill Callahan. Uh, Bill didn't bother to change any of the play calls. Uh, so... Ooh. <laughs> It's widely been reported in the years since this Super Bowl that the Ra- uh, the Bucks just knew exactly what plays the Raiders were running on every single play. Uh, so not great, Bill. Uh, Bill, as you might imagine, has never had another coaching job since this. Like he he gets fired, I think, if not right after this game, in certainly in the next year after this. Uh, just during the game is never he has never been an NFL head coach since. Um, And then the other big, not as fun, uh, but noteworthy thing is that the night before this Super Bowl, the starting center for the Raiders, uh, which is one of the offensive linemen, the big guys who protect the quarterback, uh, their starting center uh, disappeared. Uh, He was uh, diagnosed bipolar and had a bit of a manic episode and went uh, the this particular Super Bowl was in San Diego uh, and they found him in Mexico. So uh, not great. Um, but he was found safe, so okay. you know. But uh, yeah, just one of those little, little funny little footnotes. I just realized that like this amount of knowledge that you have about Super Bowl is like what I'm starting to have about WrestleManias. God forbid I have it about a normal sport. I'm like, <laughs> well, yeah, you could ask me X Y Z, and I, I might know it compared to Super Bowls. Where I'm like, I don't fucking know. Give what it, are you talking about? Like, give it like two or three more months, and we'll be at WrestleMania 19. So we're yes. we're almost there. We'll almost speak something that's almost my language. But anyway, Belgium passes legislation that legalizes same-sex marriages nationwide, making it only the second country in the world to do so. All right, everybody, catch up. Let's go. Um, ABC finally gets a solid, long-running late-night talk show as Jimmy Kimmel Live makes its debut. The show is still going strong, with Kimmel currently signed with ABC through 2025. Despite the name, though, the show hasn't been live since 2004 after actor Thomas Jane swore multiple times during an interview and studio censors were unable to bleep the words out in time. That's fucking that stupid. Th- I love that it was Thomas Jane, of all people. Oh, just remind I, me who... Uh, the Punisher? The, the Yeah, I'll say the Punisher, the detective guy from The Expanse. 
Miller. Oh, okay. My buddy. Got it. Yep. Yeah. But just right. the, the idea that that show was ever live, because it was always one of the like late night, late night shows. Like it was like well, after 11. Here's the thing. It's filmed. It was filmed. It's filmed. Dude. Well, here's the thing. It's filmed in California. So oh, yeah, if it's nine, if it's 1130 on the East Coast, that makes it what? Like eight thirty in California. Yeah, that's yeah. that's more reasonable, I suppose. But still, just like ugh, like the the idea that it was ever a live show is just bonkers to me. Uh, Darkness Falls, an awful horror movie in which a vengeful spirit has taken the form of the Tooth Fairy to ex- exact vengeance on the town that lynched her a hundred and fifty years earlier, debuts and somehow is the number one movie at the box office. The only actor of note, Emma Caulfield, who played Anya in the show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lizzie, sometimes when I start reading these, I wonder if you're putting fake ones in just to <laughs> fuck with me. This no. is one where I would have thought you might have been fucking with me. This has a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. I I mean, I, I barely remember it, but I remember I remember the name and I remember seeing Anya on my screen. I was like cuz we were cuz my brother and I were were regular weekly watchers of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So we were like, oh yeah, great. Someone else is, and it's in another thing. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) January, January is usually traditionally kind of a dead zone for new movie releases too. Like, cause it's too late for award season. So like they just dump any old bullshit in here. Like here, let's just make some change. Yeah. So, uh, but still hard, hard to believe that made, that was number like what else was playing that that was number one lizzie was she leftovers from the holidays pretty much was she at least the titular tooth fairy i don't remember okay again i see i saw this movie i just remember walking out of it uh, no excuse me this was one of those movies where we left halfway through and then just went to a completely different movie i forget which one it was but yeah my my uh, rule following little butt still gets nervous at the idea of doing something like that to this day. <laughs> I have yeah. never hopped movies or done the thing where you just go from theater to theater. I am a boring, lame human. Just so everybody yeah. knows. Cool. Glad we're in agreement. And last but not least, Lose Yourself by Eminem is the number one song for its 13th and final week in a row. I wonder what will curse us next week. Well, I don't know what when the next episode airs, so I can't really say for certain. Can't, can't say for sure. Daniel, what else was on? Uh, at 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One Where Monica Sings. At 8.30, Scrubs with His Story. At 9, we've got part two out of four of the uh, Will and Grace uh, quadrilogy. Uh, I guess. That, that started last week, the, the episode that shall not be named. Uh, the subtitle for this one, however, is uh, Attack of the Clones, I suppose, because it's part two. I have <laughs> no idea. Because you definitely want to be associated with Attack of the Clones. Well, you know, it was 2003. There, optimism sprung about, you know, it, it was in abundance for the Star Wars fans, maybe. You know, they're still lying to themselves uh, that maybe these uh, prequels will. Oh, okay. I I know exactly the, um, the storyline this is. Okay, great. Cool. Sorry. I was just like, this has to, for a four-parter, this has to be an important one. Yep. Got it. Do you, do you care to share with the rest of the class or like yeah um so karen who everybody loves and is an angel and i will not hear otherwise sets will up with her cousin barry mm-hmm. who is a geek who is just now like putting his toe out of the closet mm-hmm. and so it turns into will and jack turning him into the perfect gay man 
they both fall for him. It's a whole thing. This is a play on um, Pygmalion, my fair lady, turning this, like, scruffy thing into something beautiful that you then want to have, and it grows and moves past you. Oh, you mean me, like, between junior and senior year of high school. Got it. Yep, sure. But, um, but yeah, so I do remember this episode. Well, there you go. Uh, and as far as viewers, we got 20, uh, 21.9 million viewers tuning in, directed by Nelson McCormick, doing his uh, third out of six episodes as a director. Last time we saw him was last season with Brothers and Sisters. And written by our boy, I say that with the just mm. loosest sense of the phrase, our boy R. Scott Gemmel. That doing, explains it. That explains a lot in this episode, actually. Uh, written by R. Scott Gemmel, doing his 15th out of 32. Previous ones of his from this season include Tell Me Where It Hurts and Chaos Theory. And boy, howdy, is there ever, like, a, you could, wow. if you just blind taste test this episode and go like, yeah. hmm, I wonder who wrote this. R. Scott Gemmel. This was like me realizing the prestige was a Christopher Nolan movie. The minute I'm actually like thinking about it and putting the pieces together, I'm like, no, that absolutely tracks. All the pieces come together. Yeah. If Christopher Nolan was like really obsessed with cum jokes and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Ow. I think you made fizzy water go up warm. No, it was, it was my fake beer. Oh, yeah, it's true. Oh, uh, even worse. Uh... <laughs> Well, okay. while Lauren suffers, I'm going to move on. Uh, our previous sonata was brought to us by Lizzie this week. Um, hey, me. Uh, little boy pretending to be a monkey as our first patient here. Again, R. Scott Gemmel. Like, there is, there is no other writer on this show that would do the monkey boy as, like a, as like, a serious patient. I am we- starting the shitty kids list. Literally, this episode. No, Lizzie, you ruined the punchline. <laughs> I was going to say we need to keep an eye on this storyline because it's important later. Details to follow on why he makes the list. Uh, But yes, Lizzie, please, please put him on so we don't forget. 913, monkey boy. I feel like he makes that, which also, even I'm fine with christening him as monkey boy as his Christian name, but he has the worst fake name ever. Yeah. Fucking Zavery. He, yeah, it explains exactly why he is how he is. Uh, and Susan's working with her patient, Aiden, who is a wrestler of the amateur variety, not the professional type. Co- that would collegiate, be way more not sports entertainer. That would be way more interesting. We need a repeat of that episode. That's what we need. Uh, yes. He said, sometimes I can lift a whole picture of margaritas. And uh, there's some interesting notes about the actor who plays Aiden here. Oh, boy. Okay. So <laughs> buckle up, kids. Uh, Aiden... Uh, the uh, the character here is played by uh, actor Ricardo Medina Jr., uh, who is best known for his appearances in uh, the Power Rangers universe in both Power Rangers Wild Force and Power Rangers Samurai, both um, uh, iterations of the Power Rangers franchise that are you know beyond my best by date with that uh, franchise. Like I'm I I was a I was an original adopter. I was like a original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers kid, and then you know probably through i think turbo or space somewhere in there like late 90s early 2000s was where i fell off you gotta watch lost galaxy lizzie just bought it on dvd that 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 does not narrow it down at all (laughs) (laughs) lizzie buys right after it's right after those couple that you mentioned lizzie buys a lot of things on dvd that no one else does um that's fair 
And uh, so the, the it was nine dollars. <laughs> but the the most interesting thing about uh, Ricardo here, uh, other than being a Power Ranger, uh, is that he's one of two former Power Rangers who have committed murders, um, or I guess you could say been responsible for someone else's death, um, because I guess technically he didn't get convicted of murder. He spent three years in jail, this guy did, uh, for voluntary manslaughter in the stabbing death of his roommate. Uh, and I wish I could say that he was the only one that that is true for, but uh, there was another one in another, another also, I think I think this guy played the Red Ranger too. There was another mm-hmm, Red Ranger. There was another Red Ranger from a different iteration of the power rangers who was much more sinister and like took took a guy out on a boat and like killed him and then like dumped his body in the ocean like that kind of thing like it's so this is the actually the tamer of the two uh power rangers murder stories um but yeah as soon as as soon as i started looking at this i was like oh this is power rangers guy and his career seems to taper off in the the late 2000s like uh uh-oh wonder if this is that guy and uh, apparently it was like a uh, he the 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 way it got it all shook out was apparently there was some sort of argument. They they, they were roommates and then they were roommates. Uh, and then, thank you. <laughs> and then uh, one of the I think the guy who died I think him and his girlfriend were having an argument, and I guess the argument escalated and somebody went into a bedroom and the way the way he argued it the the. Ricardo here the way he argued it was that it was self-defense and that he was startled by this guy and so he grabbed a Conan the Barbarian style sword that he had in his bedroom and stabbed his I, I maybe he, he claims he didn't know it. he says it was dark and like he didn't know it was his roommate at the time but thought it was an intruder or whatever but uh stabbed him through the abdomen and he bled out and died so and this is why we don't keep fake sword or real swords in the house here yeah, this is why I would do something stupid. This is why no one should ever have fake swords because it's uh, dorky. And, hey, and, hey, and hey, 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 I will not hear you besmirch uh, Jake's. Oh, my God. Frostmourne sword that he has. Well, no, at I, home. Mean, I will get if you're going to get it, get the like foam one or the, you know, like I I think his is the metal one. Well, it wouldn't be the first time that I have, you know, dragged him on mic. Like, let's be honest. Like, this wouldn't be the first Fair. time that I've added him on recording. Uh, but, yeah. So, real fucking weird story for otherwise a character, uh, an actor, and a, uh, certainly a character in this episode, because we don't really see or deal very much with Aiden in this episode. Would have been a no. very, very minor little footnote otherwise, but. Yeah. He, he's more of a device for Romano later, but. Yeah. Uh, then we go to Luca working with an older gentleman with lung cancer, and the guy's like, oh, I gotta sue the tobacco companies, and Luca's like, you've been smoking for 25 years. Instead of looking for someone else to blame, why don't you try and make the best of your condition and take care of yourself now? The guy's like, it's a conspiracy by the HMOs, you just are in it with the tobacco companies, whatever. And Luca's like, okay, fine, and he's like, right. the guy's like, alright, I'll sue your ass too. Luca walks away, and Starts bitching to Carrie that nobody takes responsibility for anything in this country. He's just, mm, I'm just going to say right now, Luca's on the shitty kids this list this episode. He is no one's favorite. Uh, there's going to be some words later. Mm. Oh my God. Our Scott Gimmel. That's all I'm going to say is our Scott Gimmel and this patient later that impacts by this attitude. Ugh. Yeah, the weird the the weirdest part about this whole little 
tirade that Luca goes on here is that Frank does not co-sign it. <laughs> like, right? Frank comes behind him and it goes like, "Well, you don't like it? Go back to Croatia or whatever." And like, there's less lawyers <laughs> nowadays. I feel like the the whatever the 2023 equivalent of Frank is, that guy would have absolutely been like, "Yeah, the fucking bah, 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 bah. like he would have jumped right on board." Uh, but our uh, our patient here, Mr. Carmichael, he is played by actor Patrick Thomas O'Brien. Uh, who uh, has appeared in stuff like The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, UHF, and Catch Me If You Can. Uh, and he has uh, it's kind of a light, oh, hey, it's that guy this episode mm-hmm. this week. Uh, so he is our high water mark actor for the episode. 111 credits to his name. Then we have a 22-year-old female with a hand injury brought in by Doris. Her name is Brenda Walton. She doesn't end up being a huge patient this episode, but got it just in case. And Romano... <laughs> I love this scene. Romano runs into Admit yelling for Carrie and kisses her right on the mouth, which is not cool. Don't do it. But it makes for a fucking excellent visual. Piece of shit, Romano. Um, He's excited because they got $2.4 million in new funding. And the alderman is coming later for a photo op. I would, again, if I were better with Adobe, I would really like to cut out... uh, Anthony Edwards from that one blooper of uh, Carrie Uh and... uh, Alex Kingston, and just have him in the background doing the thumbs up to Carrie and Romano. Like. Uh, talented listeners, make but, it happen. But, but to take it to the next level, though, I would like totally make him transparent and blue, so it looks like Force Ghost Mark Green, where he's just like, <laughs> like horny. Give me horny for horny Force Ghost Mark Green, who's just really excited about in our in our dark Force Ghost Mark Green in our darkest hour, please. So I think that's the subreddit our brand new sentence. Yep, we need we need yep. that. We need that in our lives. Okay. Well moving on to something far worse. Uh Pratt's working out and then Leon is just banging on the door, screaming it about emergency, and oh look, his friend quote unquote are well one of his friends is shot. He has a chest wound, they need to call nine one one. Uh they were going to rob a liquor store and security showed up and everyone started shooting. You know, just like things you, do. you do with your friends. It's almost over. That's all I can say. This episode. <sighs> Thank this God. This episode. Thank God. Uh, and that does take us into the intro where we are in with bangs. Uh, we come out of the intro to Romano talking with Gallant about his studying while he's in the lounge. And uh, we see Romano, uh, while he's trying to make conversation with Gallant, he ends up dropping his coffee cup. Uh, and we see him kind of struggling with his grip after Gallant leaves. So... It's not looking great for the, the hand. The shot that they do that with, though, is so good, where they, like, shoot it from below, and you see him staring at his hand, mm-hmm. looking down at the camera. It, mm, I love that shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, yeah, I was like, it did take me a minute this episode where I was like, how did he do that with the fake? Oh, that's right. He still has the real one right now. Still the real <laughs> took one. Took me a minute. That was a, I don't know if I don't remember if I've ever told this uh, or this particular detail before, but it's one of those things that you don't really think about until it affects you. And like when I had the thumb thing, like mm-hmm. I was I was in a cast for you know a month, six weeks, whatever it was. And when they finally took the cast off, my thumb print, like the fingerprint on my thumb, had just gone away. Like I, so it was like completely smooth. And so I would for the next several months until it like regrew and like came back um i would go to restaurants and like you know when you go to a restaurant they bring you up glasses of water and stuff and so i would go to like pick up the glass of water and several times i would do that and my whole hand would just go like 
like it would just, the whole glass would just slide right through my hand because when you don't have a fingerprint on your finger it's very really? difficult to grip yeah so i would have to make like this conscious effort to like squeeze harder with my other fingers because my thumb had no traction whatsoever like no grip at all it was very weird and very what yeah. i never think of our like fingerprints actually having a purpose yeah. you know like i'm just like it was very weird. It was very, very weird. And like I said, it was one of those things you just don't think about until you are actually affected by it. And then, like I said, I had to like con- I had to make a conscious effort to like be like, okay, grip this with the other four fingers. Don't make the thumb do anything because it's not. Or use your other hand. Well, yeah, use. And I, I mean, I got there, but, <laughs> but like I was being encouraged by my yes. my physical and oh, occupational gee. therapy to like use it as much as possible to get that dexterity back and like yep. do those. And so I, in that respect, it was good, but like, you just don't think about those other things. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. And let me go back to Brenda. Her hand is stuck in an animal trap because she was doing a demonstration on the cruelty of fur trapping. Just get synthetic people. Seriously. It feels the exact same. My, and, uh, you, don't ki- and you don't kill animals. It's the fine. back of my new phone is faux vegan leather. Ooh. And it's actually very nice. Wouldn't that just be vegan leather then? I know. I realized as yes, I realized as I was saying, it's faux leather or vegan leather, not faux vegan leather. Then it's just real leather. No, it's um, it is vegan leather. It's very nice. Cool. Lauren with her fancy slick Motorola Razor flip phone because she's living in 1994. Uh, Abby, or excuse me, 2004. We, we just, I, I we just th- keep, that was a little you, too early for the flip phone. You guys getting further back with how old my flip phone is is like me going further into the future with when we'll be done with ER. Yeah. Eventually, it will be a circle. It'll all just come back around and meet each other. Anyway, uh, Abby hears Carter and Luca talking about Carter going to help overseas. Uh, I think, believe, uh, the Congo and Chechnya are specifically mentioned I, here. I think Chechnya for sure, yeah. Is that an, a- Which, is that an Africa storyline I see in the distance? Yes. Damn. Uh, he hasn't, and Carter hadn't told Abby about it at all. This, uh, this, this Brenda patient, I'm re- as I'm reading it on the page now, I'm like, this is, this is another like low key R. Scott Gemmel thing of just being kind of shitty. This episode is like him, him making the animal rights activist, uh, like the butt of the joke and like, she's annoying. And like, it's just, I don't know. I really struggle with this guy. <laughs> like I really, really do. And what was the what was the shirt we wanted to do? Just fuck our Scott Gimmel or whatever no, it, was, it was. No, it was like because the last episode he was in was that episode where it was just sort of like things were just shitty, but there was no like payoff yeah. to any of it. There was no point, and so it was ba- it was basically like our Scott Gimmel shrug that sucks. Like it was, yep. <laughs> you know, which and this episode, like I said, like he's the closest thing the ER writing staff ever had to a South Park writer. Like where like the, his like he has this like penchant for sophomoric humor, and also too like he has a little bit of this thing of like the worst sin you can commit in his eyes is caring, like the worst thing like the oh, the most uncool un unhip thing imaginable in this dude's eyes at least again and, and this is twenty years ago so maybe he's you know grown up since then who knows, but like at least at this time clearly like one of the worst sins you can commit in his eyes is to like give a shit about anything and so like it's just it's it's sort of it's the same sort of mentality that has put me off of south park for so many years because like i feel like it taught a generation of kids that the most uncool thing you could do would be to care and so it's just 
like I, I have a really hard time swallowing some of his stuff in these episodes because he does take these little pot shots with these one-off patients where it's like animal rights activists am i right what a bunch of pussies like he just like takes these weird little pot shots at people like he's just a lot of punching down and i just don't don't love that bought in a little too heavily into the the grunge gen x vibe yeah like it's just i don't know and a lot of it is the attitudes of the time like the 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 early 2000s were a weird mix of like super jingoistic patriotism horseshit but also like kind of disaffected because we were all sort of starting to look around and be like well this kind of fucking sucks i hope this gets better spoilers it didn't but like it just it was it's a weird mix of things happening all at once it's the internet finally opening up and everyone being like wow the world's really fucked up ain't it yeah like yeah i think that is a lot of it i mean and, and, and again 9-11 plays a huge role in that but like somewhere in this time period somewhere between you know 1999 and 2003 the internet does lose a little bit of its innocence and it goes from being this like utopic information exchange where it's just like hey here's my weird geo cities website about this niche hobby that i'm a fan of you know yeah to being like fucking you know what if the fucking clintons got everybody killed like it just goes to this weird like place where like you know, and of course, as we know, it's just it's only gotten worse in the years since. And so it's eh, I don't know. How did I get here? I don't just I don't know. Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> Romano's talking to his doctor about his hand function. Uh, it's not getting better. In fact, it's getting worse. Um, that was a thing that, again, going back to the thumb thing for me, I very much went through this and very much like you do sort of had these moments, particularly, you know, alone or like you know just you have these moments of peril where you're like is it ever going to get better am i ever going to be able to regain the function that i had and 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 am i and is it going to continue to deteriorate what i do have like Mm -hmm. am i just going to lose function altogether and it's a very like scary weird thing to try to wrap your mind around like the the big thing for me and and i imagine for romano's character it was probably a little bit different because his was so traumatic that he probably he was in shock for a lot of it so he probably i would imagine like his character probably doesn't remember much of the incident that led to him losing his arm um but for me like there was definitely a period i went through of about a month or two where like i was just reliving the moment constantly like Mm -hmm. i it would play in my head like a fucking movie like every time i closed my eyes every time i had one of those weird moments of like self-doubt of like am i ever Am I ever going to recover from this? Am I ever going to get better? And I would just go through these weird periods where I would close my eyes and I would just, it would be right back there as if it had just happened again. And it was just, ugh. I mean, I know mine was a little different, but I definitely had those periods like before my surgery for my back Mm. when I had that good month or two where it was just shit. And then we found out, oh, it's really shit. Where I was like, am I ever going to feel normal again? Yeah. This is like, very... especially when my doctor was like, oh, no, this is a thing. Like, you need to be, you need to be careful, homie. I was like, oh, like, am I going to lose leg function? Am I going to like. Right. Could this, yeah. could this go from being a minor annoyance to being a thing that changes the course of the rest of my life? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's fucking crazy to think about. And then imagine having your entire identity wrapped up in the, f- mm-hmm. the function of that limb, the way it is for him. And I mean, I, they, I, they start to explore that a little bit in this episode, but again, not nearly enough. And, and we'll see in the episodes to come that, that they don't go, they don't go far enough. 
you can see uh, Paul McCrane wanting to do it. Yeah, you really can. And and I think he spoke to that a little bit. Like I think he, he did. Like more than just his spoken words. I mean, I feel like you could I feel like you could hear in the tone of his voice that there was a lot more there he felt that there they could have explored. Um but uh Abby approaches Carter regarding this whole Chechnya business uh and Carter's like, "Well, you know, we talked about this." Like, you know. Kinda. They didn't. Yeah. And I saw there were some people in the comments or, or some of the listener response discussion around this episode that um, they were a little bit put off by Abby's response to the to Carter having this uh, flight of fancy and wanting to to go to and like I, I guess I can sort of understand some of it. I don't know. I still think it boils down to like a lack of communication on Carter's part that like Carter mm-hmm. Carter just does sort of spring this on her um and and part of it is by circumstance that like luca starts talking about it and like so carter is forced to deal with it maybe he was planning on having a larger conversation with her but it just you know that that feels much more carter's style to just sort of like let the problem solve itself and not face it head on so i don't know it's now here's the other question did Luca do it on purpose, assuming they hadn't talked about it, just to get Carter in the shit? I don't think so. Is he, is he playing 4D chess here? I don't think I know. so. I I, know. I, 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 because I had that thought too while I was watching it. I was like, boy, that would be a really like Machiavellian move to like put Carter, <laughs> put Carter right in the squarely in the middle of the shit. And like, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, no, like, obviously, he the, wouldn't. Obviously, there's still. Well, I don't. It's not even that I don't think that he would. It's just that like. Obviously, there's still some level of feelings on his part towards Abby at this point, and uh, but beyond that, I don't know that it has extended. Like, I don't know that we've gone fully two directional feud between Carter and Luca just yet. Like, I think it's totally one directional. I think Carter is very threatened by Luca at this point in time. I don't think Luca gives that much of a shit about Carter, and so right. I, f- I feel like he's just sort of like, okay, man, whatever. So like, it's. It wouldn't make sense for him to like go out of his way to try to fuck Carter over here, because he's too wrapped up in his own horseshit, as we will see kind of throughout the rest of the episode. Um, but in any event, uh, we see Susan uh, getting literal shit uh, thrown at her by our uh, monkey boy from earlier in the episode. Oh. This is uh, not great. Um, just the fact that they don't even hold back from actually like having it on her. Right. Yeah. They all kind of cu- they come up to the admit desk and they're like, "Oh, what's this? What stinks?" What's, that stinks. And then she just turns around and, but you know, only you know. Again, I'm gonna say it again. Like, as much as I hate R. Scott Gimble, I do have to give him a tremendous amount of credit for being able to weave not only a shit joke but a cum joke into the same storyline. Like he's he is using one to feed the other. And if that's not the circle of life, I don't know what is. Uh, He's playing 4D awful joke chess while all of us are just sitting here living in three dimensions. Right? Like, pfft. let's get that guy on. Uh, we, we then go to our next patient, Doreen Brandt, a 32-year-old who fell down the stairs. More on her in a bit. Uh, we also get a cop, uh, Officer Suter, who was brought in from a shooting, and his uh, colleagues are waiting for him. So more on that. Uh, Romano shows up to do a surgical consult on Aiden, and the infection from steroid use has spread up to his rectum. Yikes. Um, so they, what? I love the line, it's a pain in the ass. Literally. Ha, ha, ha. So they need to do surgery to clean it out, and Romano will supervise one of his residents. That'll go fine, I'm sure. Be fine. 
Supervise being the keyword. Right. Resident, resident exposition. Never seen before this episode or ever again after. Uh, and then Just got Sutter, someone from the Shadow Realm. Yep. Uh, Sutter, the cop, is wheeled in, and he was shot twice that they could see and identify, even though they heard four shots. And uh, Carrie tells Susan to go page Lizzie to get her help on it. Uh, Dr. McNulty's here, and Carter and Gallant are taking care of him. His AccuCheck for his sugar was over 400, which, guys, that's not good. That's really not good. Um, and Abby is trying to get Zavery, the monkey boy, to stop jumping around. Uh, Susan comes in to use the gorilla scope to look in his eye. This is a this is a UV light to check for corneal abrasions, everybody. I hate this child. Because they turn the lights off and they turn on the black light, and it all of a sudden Abby goes, "Uh," and Susan's like, "What?" And she goes, "Your sweater." And there's a huge uh, black light spot right on the neck of the sweater. And they both immediately are like, oh, and Susan has to be like, it's not mine. I borrowed it. It is absolutely not my sweater. Because, of course, you know, they're all thinking it's come. On the one hand, on the one hand, well, <laughs> go, depends, go, do depends which hand yeah, you want to yeah, hit. Come in, yeah, come in the one hand. Is <laughs> on, that the, on the one hand, this is an incredibly, you know, immature, goofy, you know, sophomoric bit that they're doing here. That, he, mm-hmm. that he's doing here, let's be honest. It's one guy. Yep. Um, however, I'm still going to give him credit for having the restraint not to do a Monica Lewinsky joke, even in 2003. Mm. It would have clearly been past its expiration date by that point, but that would have been exactly the kind of hacky writing I would expect from him. So like I, on the one hand, you know, I have to be like, all right, I'm just going to grit my teeth and get through this. But then on the other hand, I'm like, well, it could have been worse. Like he could have done a whole Monica Lewinsky bit here. So I'm going to say I was just young enough to not understand what specific reference you're talking about there that he could have done. So with that, let's just, I'm showing my age, Lizzie, move us on, please. Good God. Jism. Uh, Biz is brought in with Pratt I, and Pratt says oh I found him I was being a good Samaritan yeah sure uh, and he says you know we're not all related you know for I guess Carter I assumes think, that they're think, friends or something yeah Carter know. Carter something asks like if this guy, he's a, is this guy a friend of yours ah. Pratt jumps in on the treatment and is not thrilled to be see the cops brought in from the shooting as well and, and oh look he's starting to put the pieces together hmm and then Lizzie is working on Sutter, the cop, with Carrie. And Officer asks if they can see through the door to see if Biz was part of the shooting. Like, he's like, can you open the door so Sutter can, like, take a look while you're working on him? And while this is going on, I want to note whose films are those. And there is only one OR and the and one anesthesiologist available. So it is between the cop or Biz for surgery. Um, it looks like Biz has clotted off the bleeder, so... Sutter's theoretically going to be the one to go up. Carter's still worried about Biz, and Pratt insists they take the cop up. And at this time, while they're going back and forth, one of the cops is like, you're going to let this lowlife go first? Talking about Biz when it's up in debate on who's going. So yeah, it's a great one. Everybody's fine. Everybody's great. Everyone's professional. Let's just keep going. That's great. Love, you'll great. love to see it. Yep. I'm, surprised, I'm surprised this episode didn't end with one of the cops were like ripping out the chest tube of Biz or something like that. <laughs> that just seems like the thing. <laughs> 
Uh, and then uh, we see Abby treating uh, another patient, a heavier set girl named Helen, uh, and she's having abdominal issues. And uh, as they're doing this, uh, Susan is checking in. Abby and Susan are gossiping about the stain on the sweater as uh, Susan does some abdominal massage on uh, Helen to see kind of what's going on there. Uh, and then they continue to do kind of a walk and talk as they go back to the desk. And Abby says, who do you think it belongs to? Pratt? Frank? Jerry? <laughs> Carrie. No, she says Jerry. I could have sworn she said Carrie. That would not make any biological sense. But... Don't care. I could have sworn. Maybe it's... Maybe, no, I could have... You're right. It's probably Jerry. I, I heard Carrie because I was typing furiously. You were like, let's save this somehow. Let's make it slightly gayer just to just to yep. save it somehow. Uh, I still can't believe that you don't understand the Monica Lewinsky dress reference. Like, that is... I, Again, I under, that's one like, of those I micro under, micro generational differences. Like that was. I like. I understand the gist of <laughs> what's happening. Gist, not gist, <laughs> of what's happening. But um, I'm just saying that specific instance. I do not remember. It was the dress, that. man? That was the thing that unraveled I, the whole. Uh, the whole. Sh- yes, yeah, Rigmarole. The whole. The whole thing. Nope. I. I don't know anything about the dress. So, again, generational micro differences here. But, yeah, gist, not jizzed. Shall we move on? Uh, Yeah. And Helen here is uh, played by actress Heather DeLoach, who appeared in stuff like A Little Princess, Balls of Fury, and The Beautician and the Beast. And she's making her first of two appearances as Helen. Wonderful. Uh, Romano's coaching a resident through the surgery on Aiden. And the guy messes up because he's very overstimulated by all of Romano's, like, no, do this. No, like this. Don't. Don't look out for that. Don't watch out that. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Romano jumps in to try to help, and Shirley quietly offers uh, the resident to get another assistant. Ugh, Romano. Ugh. And then we go back down. Uh, we see Lizzie is in surgery on uh, the officer, Officer Suter, Sutter, uh, and a new surgeon comes in to help, Doctor Dorset. Uh, who is uh, played by actor Bruno Campos, who uh, is best known for stuff like The Princess and the Frog, uh, Nip Tuck, and the TV series Jesse, and he is making his first of five appearances as Dr. Dorset. And this guy has a very punchable face, uh, and he represents a very dark period of the timeline for Lizzie, just as far as like character usage. Like, it, On the one hand, it's like, kind of the last time that they show any sort of like if he's the guy I'm thinking of because there might be another guy later actually that now that I'm thinking about it but at least in my mind right now he's the last time that they show any sort of real interest in Lizzie as a character like of like Mm -hmm. oh maybe we'll do something with her no you know this doesn't really this doesn't you know so but I just don't love this actor very much like he just doesn't do it for me uh and so I was not not thrilled to see him coming in the door here. But uh, his, his whole deal is he's kind of the arrogant, braggadocious uh, surgeon type. Uh, and he says, they call me Fast Eddie for a reason. Several, in fact. Um, can you tell R. Scott Gemmell wrote this episode? Um, Come jokes. He hums as he's working, uh, which kind of, you can tell, annoys Lizzie quite a bit. And he coaches her through the placement of the catheter and how the resistance will feel. And he does this little magic trick of uh, removing the bullet. Uh, So, Dr. Dorset, welcome. And from this storyline, Grey's Anatomy was boring because it feels like something straight out of Grey's Anatomy. A lot of things in this episode feel... This episode feels very much like Grey's Anatomy, like, 
Prometheus. Like this, this feels like the the genesis of a lot of the tropes that you would find in your average Grey's Anatomy episode. Next year, was it two thousand four? For some reason, I thought it was 05. It, it might have been. I'm pretty sure it was 04. Um, I'll look it up. But anyway, uh, Luca walks by as Aaron is being discharged for good, uh, discharged from the hospital and from the show. Uh, she sounds like she and Gallant have been hanging out. And he checks on her, and she needs his signature for her resident review because she's going to pediatrics next, aka the Shadow Realm. Bye. Uh, he tries to apologize after not visiting her for three weeks. This, this yeah. is so bye, Harkins. Yeah, this this ranks pretty highly up there on the uh, like we're gonna we're gonna like we're gonna make a definitive stance that this character is not coming back anymore, but only just barely like they, they they're doing the bare minimum to avoid a bob here of like because <laughs> otherwise it would just be like and i said it back you know in that episode whatever that was hindsight like just kill her like this is not worth it like this little token appearance here this was not worth it it would have been so much it would have been so much more dramatic and i feel like it would have it would have furthered luca's kind of spiraling arc so much better if they'd have just killed her they should have just killed her, but yeah, Ugh. yeah. And also, you were right. Two thousand five. My bad. It's it's early two thousand five, so it kind of blends together. <sighs> yeah, just I wish it had just been a Bob, either Bob or Killer, like you said, Daniel. This this middle pussy button, not great. No. Unless maybe they were like, if we do this, we can bring her back if we want. Which maybe that was mm. maybe that was the idea, but like it wasn't like this character had some great legacy that was like, oh yeah, like I can't wait to see what Harkins is up to. Like she's here for like a handful of episodes. She's a, f- a face in the crowd for the vast majority of it, and then there's that one episode where she just sucks, and then the very next episode she gets in a car wreck and disappears. So it's like, what what are we doing here? What are we saving? What are we preserving? Just kill her. Just just kill her. Um. But then Pratt is on the phone trying to get a hold of Leon, and he hangs up as the cops walk by. They're asking a bunch of questions about Pratt bringing Biz in, and as that's going on, Biz starts to crash. They don't know where he's bleeding from. They're going to work on that. And Abby asks Carter when he's leaving for the jungle. He backpedals, and he's like, I haven't even decided yet. Why are you making such a big deal? This is just, we were just talking about it. And she goes, well, Luca made it sound like you guys had already, like, signed up and that you were pretty into it. So communication A-plus continues for these two. Then uh, Dr. McNulty calls uh, Abby and Carter the Ken and Barbie of the medical world, and Gallant's also with them. And I guess uh, type 2 diabetics don't get ketoacidosis because of... I don't know how diabetes works. A friend has it, my mom has it, I don't know how it works. Outside yeah, of like, I, oh I, yeah, I, you need insulin, and you check your blood sugar regularly. I should know more. I'm ashamed I don't. But uh, McNulty gave the meds that Carter brought him. The, was it last episode? Two episodes ago? Two episodes ago, ago all, I think. These are all bleeding together. Uh, to, he gave it to one of his patients instead. Yeah. Uh, ketoacidosis is typically associated with low blood sugar, which is more of a problem with type 1 diabetics. Type type mm-hmm. type ah, 1 okay. diabetics. Um, to really oversimplify things, type 1 diabetes is insulin... Um, uh, what is it? What's the what's the word I'm looking for? Type two diabetes is insulin resistant, 
So like your body mm-hmm. is still producing insulin, but you've just developed a resistance to insulin over time. So it doesn't have the desire to f- insulin is the, the, um, the enzyme that your, uh, pancreas secretes, which, um, counteracts food sugar. So like when you take in food, your blood sugar spikes and insulin gets released to bring it back down to its mm-hmm. normal level. Type one diabetics, type one diabetes is an autoimmune type of illness. And so like your pancreas cells are attacked by your body's white blood cells mm-hmm. and broken down. So your body just stops producing insulin or doesn't produce so insulin deficient insulin deficient. Yeah. So like your, your body, it's not that you've developed the resistance to it. It's that your body just doesn't produce insulin period gotcha. or, or doesn't produce okay. enough of it. Um, and okay. so that's what, yeah, our one friend is a type, type one diabetic and she has a insulin. Pump right. Usually type one diabetics will have the insulin pump. Um, and they'll have to, and most type two diabetics are, they're on some kind of medication that basically like replaces the effect of insulin. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it replicates yeah. the effect, but without being insulin itself. Uh, Got it. Yeah. My mom does injections a couple times a day like yeah. that. So uh yeah i used to understand that stuff way better than i do now that i'm not uh doing fitness type stuff every single day but like there was a time where i was like giving presentations on that but you still have me to ask you dumb first aid and fitness questions so i'm keeping you a little sharp and and you have all of our listeners to educate rice baby rest ice compression elevation uh yeah so the more you know uh we will (laughs) i say we will check back in on mcnulty in a bit um (laughs) <laughs> yeah we'll we'll get to that uh we see carter helping with biz looking for clots in the tube etc it looks like it's time to crack his chest i believe this is where carter talks about milking the tube which is just a really I think so. really gross yes. gross visual also and lizzie does yes and does he does that and then a whole other leader yeah. comes out the, ah! out the guy's chest. Uh, Leon shows up for his contractually obligated bit of squawking to uh, ask what they're doing to Biz. Uh, Pratt tells him to go sit in sutures and wait. Uh, Biz is still in V-fib, has been down for 35 minutes, goes into asystole, and Pratt tells Carter that they should just go ahead and call it, which they do. Um, not great, Bob. Not great. Uh, Lizzie comes into surgery where Romano is working, and uh, she's a little surprised to see him there. Says that she didn't realize he was back in the surgical rotation, and she was brought in because she was told somebody needed a hand in here, which he is uh, none too pleased about. And that line is a bit on the nose now that I think about it, uh, that he needed a hand. <laughs> but uh, a girl comes in with her to get her stomach pumped. She's full of food and her friend had called 911 to get her stomach pumped and apparently it's because this woman she is very much has an eating disorder is very much a binge and purge type person Lucas says she has no more Lucas says she has no more gag reflex and the uh, the friend is like what it's cheaper than liposuction what what and when i say he here i'm referring to r scott gemmel what was up his ass this week like when he's i don't this know is exactly what i was talking about earlier because again this is a patient this is going to be one of the main takeaways from sort of the larger evaluation of this episode and in the grand scheme of things in this episode this patient really doesn't matter that much like this is a this is a nope. one-off little you know lucas having a having a real one kind of day kind of patient don't know don't learn anything more about her don't learn anything more about the outcome it's just 
It's just another R. Scott Gimble original. Like, mm, that sucks. And like, like I said earlier, it's just him taking like these weird punch down pot shots at like people that he deems to be annoying. So like, apparently like vapid women with uh, eating disorders by his assessment, because like, I, I sort of get the impression that even though the patient is unconscious, the roommate is here to serve as the speaking voice of the patient. Like the, the roommate character exists purely to give a voice to this unconscious patient that it's like, well, obviously she was doing this for body image. Like she was, you know, she's bleh, it's, it, look at these stupid women. Like all they do is like, all they're concerned about is like cosmopolitan magazine and like looking skinny. Like it's just this weird, like vendetta. He's got this episode where he's like, you know, what's really dumb and stupid in society caring about animals and you know people with eating disorders like he just picks really weird battles to fight and i just i I don't get it well i find r scott gimmel to be annoying and (laughs) vapid and blah Blah. yeah that's right i said it lauren this is where you said you had uh particular thoughts on luca i just i just mm. I, I saw a lot of this dialogue going on in our listener responses, so I can't take all the credit. But holy shit, eating disorders are so much more than just I want to be thin. There is so much more going on than someone just being conceited and wanting to go down a pant size. This girl, it's a mental illness. She needs help. Her friends may be enabling her. They may just not know how to help her. They may have called the hospital in the hopes that, you know, maybe since she's there, she can get help she needs. Like, there could have been so many reasons beyond what Luca is just seeing. While this girl is unconscious, keep in mind, we don't even get a chance with this episode, thanks, R. Scott Gimmel, to actually talk to this girl and have her be a human full character to have a chance to, I don't even want to say defend herself, but to defend herself. To, to contextualize, when, like to, to give yeah, more insight, to develop like, any sort of emotional connection. It's just, it's it's so easy to just say, yeah, they just want to be thin. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to stand for it with having almost lost one of my dearest loved ones to an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And it was so much more than that. And it's like, it still has ripples today. Uh, she's been in recovery for, I want to say, 10 years now. And it's still something that, like, that still, like, in my eating, I notice stuff. And, like, that's why you all, you're you all going to catch me being so body positive all the time and putting content warnings before anything I talk about with weight loss or anything on our Discord is because, like, this shit matters. Mm. How you represent this matters. Guys, if you're going through this... We love you. Like, talk to someone. I know there's a lot more going on for you than, you know, just trying to lose weight or maintain. Like, people are there for you. Please take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, shit's dangerous. You're wonderful and please take care of yourself. Fuck you, Luca. Go ahead, back to our normal scheduled programming. Well, that's you now. God damn it. (laughs) All right, well, then we'll go on to fuck Carter. Uh... Carter come, Carter's talking to Leon when Pratt comes in and he tries to be helpful, being like, hey, are you okay? You know, Pratt, he looks a little nervous. Like, what's going on? You know, Carter's trying to actually help Pratt out, save his own ass a little bit here, but he wants his student to succeed, blah, blah, blah. Um, Pratt yells at uh, Leon because it was 
the cops, not a security guard. And Leon doesn't know if he shot at anyone. He doesn't know if he had a gun. He doesn't know what happened. He didn't know they were cops. And Pratt is at his wit's end here. So, some more beautiful yelling and screaming between the two of them that, unfortunately, again, Leon's character could have been so much more if done right and not just made a caricature. But alas, here we are. Um, Susan then approaches Luca about how he reacted to the day. Like, oh, someone's a little cranky. And she then walks over to Abby and goes, I think you should talk to him. He seems a little depressed. To which Abby has the best (laughs) clap back of, he's European, that's his baseline. (laughs) Excellent. Um... But then Susan asks Lizzie how Sutter is when Dorset comes down and asks her for coffee while Abby and Susan are giggling right next to her, like looking at their charts. And uh, she's like, Lizzie essentially shoots him down because she's so taken aback by it. And she's like, maybe another time. He goes, I'll hold you to it. And then after he walks away, Susan goes, I like coffee. (laughs) They have a great girl talk moment here, the three of them. And again, I wish they let Lizzie have friends because holy shit, like, yeah, it's a great combination. Like, just let her go to girls' nights with uh, Jingmei and Susan and Abby. Let her be part of this. Let her come back to life making I, friends. I, I also don't remember who pointed it out initially, but, like, why they never put uh, Luca and uh, Lizzie together as a platonic friendship because they would clearly have some common ground over like losing, losing a spouse, losing a family. Like there would clearly be some commonality there that they'd be able to help each other with, especially given the the spiral that they've put Luca through this season. And it's not like you're doing anything with Lizzie anyway. So like, just, I feel like that there was a, a huge missed opportunity there. Yes. Uh, but then yeah, Jesus, you make a great... Now I'm just like, why didn't we have that? But uh, Lizzie tells Abby and Susan that she half expects Mark to be playing in the backyard with Ella and that she's just feeling a little rusty because she hasn't really talked like talked to a man, quote, you know, sassy, flirty, um, since Mark, and she's feeling a little rusty. And I love Susan. She goes, I think Mark would want you to get on with your life. Or if not, at least give me, his, give me Dorset's number so I can get on with your life. <laughs> essentially is what she says and i love it and i love that susan mark's best one of mark's best friends is like no this is what my friend would have wanted for you Mm -hmm. yeah like absolutely yeah and and going back to the friend thing like i'm a little sad that they they didn't finish the loop like they didn't they didn't uh they didn't see it all the way through where uh, Lizzie and Susan start with this very kind of chilly adversarial sort yeah. of relationship. And I would have liked to have seen a more complete telling of like once Mark had passed away or, or at least once it became clear yeah. he wasn't going to make it, that there's some sort of, you know, because th- there's a little bit of that stuff right as, as Mark's kind of starting to circle the drain. There's a little bit of that revisiting yeah. of the Mark and Susan dynamic, which I think was more for us than it was for the characters like it was more of them going like hey remember when we did this nothing really of of consequence comes of it but like i would have liked to have seen it go all the way and be like okay well these two are able to find some like peace and comfort in one another through the loss of their mutual loved one except it does break up susan and carter because (laughs) he gets all jealous and bitch baby about it one more gift from horny force ghost mark green (laughs) 
break, yep. breaking up a cursed pairing. Uh, Carrie is then helping a patient when the alderman shows up, and she thanks him for the funding, hoping it's based on merit and not the syphilis thing. She's like, I hope, you know, it's not because of special treatment. And he goes, the way I see it, you guys give every patient here special treatment, and that's what makes county so deserving. Like A very a- political response. Excellent way to be like, wink, wink, thanks for treating my syphilis, dude. I don't know, that lovely note. Uh, let's go to our first of only two audio clips this episode. Uh, Abby and Carter are talking in the lounge. Somebody dropped this off for you made me promise to give it to you personally. I'm thinking nude blackmail photos. Not again. Is this because of McNulty? What? Are you leaving going to a foreign land to bring medicine to the natives? No, I, I mean it, because he lives in the back of a free clinic. You don't do enough? I don't know. Maybe this has something to do with it. I don't know why you didn't talk to me about that. I'm not going anywhere right now. And even it? if I was, it's for two weeks. Yeah, and some of these places are really dangerous. I thought you forgot about me. You need to go back on insulin. Oh, no. Oh, yes. 30 NPH in the morning, 15 in the evening, same as before. And you need to check your sugars four times a day. <laughs> I'd be lucky to find four times during the week to do that. <laughs> Maybe you can hire an assistant. Or find the time to remind yourself. What's this? Check. I can see that. I can't take it. Why not? Well, for one thing, it's got too many zeros. Get some new equipment. Hire a nurse. Hire a physician's assistant. I'm not going to have to name the place after you, am I? No. Although the Carter Family Clinic does have kind of a nice ring to it. Thank you, Joe. You're welcome. How'd you like to come work for me, beautiful? Do you have a dental plan? Lisa needs braces. Dental plan. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wasn't prepared for that. Uh, here, here is where we see the last of McNulty. Wink. You know. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Did I like? It's a, such a weird end to a, to a story. So, okay, line. yeah, we will talk about that when we get to the that yeah. particular scene. But like, holy shit, talk about shit I did not remember. And how weird it feels, and how just like out of completely left field it is. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Just yeah. So. Also, I love when it's like, yeah, hire an assistant. It's like, what happened to Miss right? Patty? That's the other thing. They completely yeah. ignore the assistant he has had this entire time, uh, who seemed like much more concerned about his well-being, you know, than anybody else is. And it's like, again, given the choice that's made at the end of the episode, like. Was she in on it? Like, was she part of the, the shir- like? There's, it's one of those things that like we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> it, it needs a whole episode of in itself. any event. Carrie uh, is uh, over at admit telling Luca that she's not going to give him any time off and that uh, he needs to sort things out on his own time. And another patient is being brought in by the EMTs while and uh, Luca just takes that opportunity to storm out. And I forget who it is that asks for help with the patient. It might be Galat. And he's like, can we get some help here, Luca? And he's like, nope. <laughs> and I think it might be Malik. Somebody, yeah. Or it might be one of the EMTs. Somebody know. asks for help, and Luca's just like, nope, and leaves. Uh, we go out to the ambulance. A.K.A. me leaving every retail shift ever. Right, yeah. Like, I- I've gotten real good at the Irish goodbye at work. Like, just, just slipping out the door. Don't say goodbye to anybody. Just leave. You'll see them all again tomorrow. Uh, we go out to the ambulance bay with Luca and Abby, and uh, Eric is outside waiting in the cold and snow for her because this episode needed more, just more. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he says, oh, you know, I've been here almost two hours. Figured you wouldn't be able to go that long without a cigarette. Ha <laughs> ha. 
Well, let's go to our second of two audio clips here. Uh, Eric and Abby are having a little chat over at Doc's. Sure you don't want something to eat? I'm fine, thanks. Good, I need the gas money. How's Carter? He's good. I like him. Me too. It was the disease. I was scared. I was afraid that I was gonna end up like mom. I didn't want you to see me like that, like Maggie. I never meant to hurt you. If it wasn't for you, I, I don't know where I'd be. It wasn't your fault, you couldn't help it. It's just, you protected me for so long. I felt like I'd let you down. That's not true. That could never be true. I just wish sometimes I was eight years old again. Because even when things got bad, and they got bad, I knew you'd always be there. And I always will be. Yeah, but no one's ever there for you. I turn my back on you after everything that you did for me and uh, for mom. That was a really crappy thing to do. And I'm sorry. You don't have to apologize. I do. I want to. I love you, Abby. You deserve a better family. <laughs> and I just wanted you to know that I'm okay. Unfortunately, I had to get um, bad before I got better. It's not over, you know. Yeah, I know. You want to see a picture of my new girlfriend? Sure. What do you think? It's a plane. Yeah, I bought it. I sold uh, my car, my bike, just about everything. Um, I'm going to run hunting and fishing charters <laughs> in Wisconsin. <laughs> You're going to be a bush pilot. Pretty cool, huh? Um, two things real quick. One, this whole scene's really fucking weird. Uh, two, the choice to have that diegetic music come in like two thirds of the way through the scene and have the diner be quiet before that. Just very stylistically odd choice. With that being said, uh, I will let you two actually talk about the rest of it because I'm too busy going, this is weird. Why do we have this scene? Well, it's weird because Eric has the exact same, like, sort of like, oh yeah. Like, uh, someone who is suicidal will often be, like, be, like, really, like, weird and, like, sort of, like, at ease after they decide to actually do it and go through with it. And, obviously, we, we never really find out what ultimately happens to him, but 
spoiler alert for the next couple episodes, but, like, I always took this as, like, him saying goodbye to Abby. Ooh. Because he knows he's going... To do something? Yeah, he's, he's going... He knows he's going to go off the reservation. He's planning on going off the reservation to die, to live in the woods with the wolves. Who knows? Like, but he does, who knows what he but does? He, but, but he does come back, though, by the end of the season, because there's the whole thing at Grandma's funeral uh, where he, he, he makes a bit of a scene. He does. That's the whole thing is everybody oh, says, yeah. God, yeah. Abby was so inconsiderate can about what just, happened at Grandma's funeral. Can you just edit out everything I said because <laughs> I completely forgot about Do I even like this show? Do I even watch this no, show? But I, I, no, I, I, do, I do think uh, you're, you're right, though, that there is, like, a tonal thing there like my thing with this whole thing is like like lauren said stylistically it's weird like the tone of the conversation between the two of them is weird the it's just flat it's flat um maybe i'm just being overly weird and and like crow magnon dude about it but i don't love the way he says i love you to her like it just has a weird non-familial sound to it that just makes my that's, it I makes mean, my skin what I itch was, like that's what I was saying like he's saying goodbye to her yeah but maybe he just doesn't know if he's gonna be back yeah and yeah he, 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 may, he may be in that headspace you know at this point but like it's just um, it's a very odd scene and, and, I, and, and I think the thing I hate the most about it is how completely oblivious Abby seems to be about it like Abby doesn't through the rest of the episode like does not raise any alarm bells whatsoever even in private conversation like with carter like she's sort of just like well he's cured now like she's sort of just like you know oh everything's great and i'm just like he he bought a plane like you should (laughs) push the flight attendant button like this guy right here come check on him yeah they they write her excuse me like she's cautiously cautiously optimistic but then her actual behavior doesn't mirror that. Yeah, like, I, it's fine to be cautiously optimistic to his face, but at the same time, you need to be like, well, he says he's on his meds, but he did also buy a plane. Like, I just, like... <laughs> also, I can't judge anybody for criti- critiquing a delivery of I love you, considering how much I shit on Mark <laughs> anytime he said it. And it's not that, it's not that the so. delivery is, is bad, necessarily. Like I said, it just, it, it read... It, it just I don't know something about the delivery just made my yeah. skin crawl and it's uh it, like I said it's just a I think this whole scene and I think this whole bit of this episode exists purely to fuel the next episode and that's another reason why it feels tacked on and out of place because it is kind of tacked on it's 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 literally them doing like next time on just, ER like it's it's it just built into the episode it does it does not match tonally with what else they've been doing this whole episode. Yeah, and also, too, there's a little small part of me that feels like R. Scott Gamble wrote it in just so that he could have somebody say Bush pilot on, you know, like, just complete the unholy trifecta. Like, he just really, he just had to get it in. Going for it. Oh, he's got another line coming. He's definitely got another line coming, but... Oh, ha, yep. ha, ha, oh, ha, oh ha, great. Ha, I, get, ha, I, get, oh, I get to be oh, the one to oh, read this? Cool. I also uh, do, I'm also just sitting here seething that my most salient point in, like, weeks... <laughs> Has, was completely wrong. It's, no, it's still an absolutely salient point, even with what happens, because like clearly he's still unwell. Right. And no, you you nailed it on the head. And Lizzie, you still remember more than I've ever forgotten about this show. Very true. So 
Uh, with that being said, let's go on to another nightmare sequence from R. Scott Gimmel with Susan talking to Helen, saying that she's likely got a virus. Cool, okay, that patient had no need to be there whatsoever. But, but uh, she'll be she back asks, next week. Cool. Uh, but then uh, she asks Chen about the sweater, and I love that as she's doing it, she's changed it to scrubs by this point. As she does it, she holds the sweater up, like, I'm doing it as if you guys can see me. But, like, as if it's filthy. Like, she does the little, like, dirty tissue hold of it and, like, goes to hand it back to Chen. And she's like, when we were doing this, the black light, we noticed there was a stain. And, like, okay. Like, just, like, it's kind of one of those things where it's none of your fucking business, Susan. And Susan's like, I just thought you should know. And uh, Chen's like, it was club soda, you pervert. And... Susan's like, what? Chen's like, yeah, soda water glows in blacklight. I spilled on this morning on myself this morning, which is why I had to change. Uh, you thought I'm the ER slut with spunk all over her sweater, which, uh, spunk <laughs> guys, come on. We're just come. We're just going to say as many different euphemisms for it this episode. Cause just, I just can't have nice things, but spunk is by far the worst so far, I think. But just, just don't know about that one. Don't know about yeah, that excuse. Yeah, I don't either. Don't I don't know, know that, that one, I Chief. buy the the club soda. First of all, what kind of psychopath just drinks club soda by itself? Uh, Lauren me. is raising her hand, obviously. Club, me. club, club soda and seltzer water are two very different things. Like, just f f y i. Oh, you're right. Like, club soda is not seltzer water. But in any event, like, it's just I don't know that I buy that explanation. And then two. On another tip, I'm very annoyed at the state of things right now that, like, Chen's essentially entire involvement in this episode is basically one long Monica Lewinsky joke. Like, she like she doesn't do anything in this episode other than get jizz on her sweater. Like, that is the entire contribution to this episode. And, you know, like, God love you. If, if, if you get a little jizz on your sweater before work, God love you. As long as everybody's consenting and everybody's having a good time, go for it. But, like, the fact that that is her entire input to this episode kind of sucks. Like, she deserves better. Uh, well, Carter asks Pratt if anyone's claimed Biz's body, and he just wants to help prevent Pratt from getting into trouble. And Pratt unloads about how he can't watch Leon every minute of the day and calls Gallant over for a favor. He, he makes... If it was, uh, I'm just like, it's frustrating because this is a genuinely good emotional moment from Pratt. Mm-hmm. But like in the context it is, I'm just like, I don't care. Right. Like yeah. I get it, but I just don't care because it's about Leon right. and I hate Leon. Like it's, uh, you know, not to, not to do with like the, the thing that we always do, which is uh, tie it back into wrestling somehow. Uh, but if you're familiar at all with wrestling on any sort of like chronically online level, you've probably heard the term X-Pac heat. Uh, which is basically, <laughs> which is basically, basically when a bad guy character, uh, or a, you know, a, a, not a not a baby face, like a, a character that is meant to be booed, starts getting booed for the wrong reasons. Uh, which is like, you know, you have a character whose entire purpose is like, okay, he's supposed to create conflict for the character that we do care about, and like re- he's supposed to drive the story in that respect. But because of some pers- aspect of his personality or, or some quirk of his, you know, being, he starts getting booed because people are sick of the sight of him. Like, it do- it's not anything that he's 
doing or it's not anything about him as a character it's just the sight of him elicits a negative reaction and i think that's what we've achieved with leon here like leon has achieved full-blown x-pac heat where it's like the second he's on the screen he doesn't have to open his mouth or say a word the second he's on the screen you're just like oh get to, i don't i don't yeah, want to yeah. talk about it like i don't want to just go away like it's go away heat. it's it's uh this is for just the three of us. It's me with Roman Reigns now. I don't fucking care that he's an asshole character. I just don't care about his character at all. I want him gone. Yeah, and so that's that's kind of where we've where we've landed with Leon, where it's just you are I, I in the larger picture, I understand what they were going for with the character of Leon and, and they needed to have some kind of sympathetic force in Pratt's backstory to try to drive kind of get the motor started on the because we're, we're still pretty we're, we're barely a season into Pratt as a character we're, we're not even a season into him as a character yet um so like we're just starting to rev the engines on kind of the growth arc of Greg Pratt the character and this I on paper seems like a good way to to do that generate some sympathy he's got this tragic you know figure in his life who you know he's helped and and tried to be there for but i don't know if it's just a mismatch with the actor like i've seen this actor in other things and he's good in other things but like this character is not it for him like this character is not the one for him and the way they write the character like i said on a previous episode they basically write him as like just this squawking parrot who just comes in and just yells g over and over again and like at a certain point you do just like get to this place where like the second he's on your screen you're like fuck dude just go away like i don't want to talk to you i don't want to see you anymore and i think it's a really big missed opportunity obviously it all works out it you know in the end and i think this episode is a little bit of them realizing that this character it doesn't work and it isn't having the intended effect on pratt's kind of the audience's opinion of pratt and i think a little bit of this uh this episode is them kind of pulling the lever on that character and just being like okay we're done with that like we're just gonna we're just gonna pretend like this never happened because after this episode i don't know that they ever bring up leon again like it's not like we ever get any lines of dialogue that's like oh i hope leon's doing good in baltimore like i don't think they talk about him again after this episode so it is sort of just like a wash your hands of the whole thing and pretend it never happened which is really unfortunate. Um, but uh, Carter is uh, talking with Abby, asks her if she wants to go to dinner someplace, uh, nice and romantic. But she says that she's going to go hang with Eric and see his airplane. Uh, and then again, this is kind of where I was getting at earlier of like, I'm a little annoyed with how wide-eyed Abby is with this. Like, she just does not seem that concerned at all. And I like how this is the one bit of like good Carter stuff here where like Carter where he's like, look at me and he's like, don't do not fly with him. Like he's like, do, do not get in that plane. Like, so he's very, very pointed about that. Uh, Lizzie goes to check on Aiden's status when Romano asks her what she's doing and she can kind of confronts him very sneakily about the fact that he was involved in the operation earlier and may have may have been responsible for some of the mishaps because it sounds like Aiden's going to have some minor dysfunction in his leg after this surgery so just given given Romano kind of a like I know what you're up to dude kind of talk so uh, and then we see Gallant. The other thing that's annoying about this is that they pawned this whole thing off on Gallant. 
Like they pawn off the like jettisoning of the Leon storyline off on Gallant. Uh, because we see Gallant at a bus station giving Leon some snacks for his bus ride to Baltimore. They're they're banishing him to the wire, uh, where he's <laughs> oh no he's going to stay with uh, Pratt's aunt Rose. Uh, and this is and then Leon gets weirded out where he's like, well, I thought Greg, where was Greg? I thought he was going to be here. He's not even going to say goodbye to me. Whatever. Then Gallant just gets firm with him and tells him he needs to get on the bus. And this is the last time we will see and or presumably speak of Leon as a character, it's, this is it. And it's, what a waste of time. This whole thing. Yeah. Don't let the door hit you with a good Lord split you, Leon. No offense to the actor. Yeah, like I said, I, I, no. I like just, the actor. And, you know, he's the he's the big guy that uh, teaches us all about racism in Volcano. Uh, know, and right? he's in, uh, again, the TV series that I keep threatening to make Lizzie watch, the ESPN drama playmakers where he plays one of the uh the football players like a delightfully messy show if there ever was one um yeah but just i think the whole i think the best thing you can say about the whole storyline is that it's over by mid-season yeah which yeah it's it thankfully they didn't drag this out any more than they absolutely had to because it was just getting progressively worse and worse and worse and just dragging pratt down as a character so much yeah, pretty pretty remarkable now we can finally see him like actually do the good pratt uh, start to work up to the good pratt things that we know he's capable of yeah it's because we all have all watched through through the end of the series right it's pretty remarkable that this uh like you said, it, it, at this point, it is kind of holding Pratt back as a character, and it's pretty remarkable how well they overcome that. That you don't mm-hmm. you don't really mm-hmm. think about this as like a stain on the reputation of the character. Like he he recovers pretty well. I'm sorry, I'm just basking in the fact that we're done with Leon. Anyway, uh, Romano goes up on the roof to talk to Jensen about how surgery went, and uh, Romano's like, "Yeah, no, it it won't happen again. Like you'll you'll do better next time." And Jensen's like, "Yeah." I will, because I'm not going to go into surgery with you again, which is a pretty ballsy fucking thing to say to the chief of the hospital. Well, like, what? He's got a point. No, I like, I understand he has a point, but it's up there with uh, Benton shoving William H. Macy out of the way. Mm. Just throw back there. Hey, guys, remember when William H. Macy <laughs> was on the show? That was weird. Um, Let's go watch Mystery Men, okay? It's an ER movie. Uh, we, well, we have to because Paul Rubens is in it, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. So three weeks ago. We can go be sad. Yeah, I was like, what are you talking about? That was yesterday. That was today or yesterday. You're right. Three weeks. Got it. Aha. Um, but then after this, Jensen walks away and we have a big Grey's Anatomy moment of clocks by Coldplay starting to play as Romano looks over the edge of the roof and drops his scrub cap dramatically. This is the, you love this song. Jump? I, the, the song is fine. It's just this is this is that... <laughs> So not This is ER. that meme of fucking uh, Patrick uh, or uh, SpongeBob and Patrick. SpongeBob's got the big binoculars, and like in this case, SpongeBob is Shonda Rhimes, and she's like, "Write that down, write that down." Like that's this entire episode is just like the, the <laughs> bones of Grey's Anatomy are born in this episode, where you can just see the fucking like the dopey moron, like hotshot surgeon, the like goofy needle drops, which like again, I like this song fine it's it's been a little overexposed and it, it, it fits well enough in this episode but like it's just all the hallmarks of that goofy ass show they're born in this episode and i i hate it and i will say so this moment does get a bit of play in the fandom just as a like like should should they have ended it here 
Like, should they have just had Romano jump and just have that be the end of it? Ooh, interesting. Like, because this people point this out quite a bit that, you know, people who are not fan, people who are, you know, staunchly against what happens in season 10, um, you know, because obviously they, they do do some stuff once he gets the, the arm fully removed and like they, they do a little bit of stuff with the the prosthetic and the hook and like there's but he becomes something more of a comic relief character at that point like he kind of it not to say that they never do anything dramatic but like he is something of kind of a visual gag and it's used in that effect so i think people who are staunch opponents of the the actual way that the character ended feel like this would have been a more dignified ending and I don't know. Like I, I think it would have been a little I, too early. I think just because like I, he hasn't lost the arm yet. Like, but I think I think at, like you could make me make the argument like after he's lost the arm and he realizes, oh, I can't do shit. Yeah. Goodbye. And this world. is another example. Like, uh, like we've said many times before, it's another example of them not seeing things all the way through and not like, not taking you all the way not not connecting the dots well enough that like there are moments throughout this episode that we've talked about where he is coming to grips with the fact that he's gonna lose the arm he hasn't physically lost it like they haven't gone in with the they haven't done surgery and they haven't physically removed it yet but you can see moments throughout this episode where the the dropping the cup in the lounge and looking at his hand and like the stuff with lizzie like there are moments throughout this episode where he's mentally coming to terms with the fact that this is not gonna work and like he's losing the function here this, if if they had done that, this would have been the third suicide attempt or suicide su- success by a cast member in the show. I, I know about Pratt. What's I mean, uh, not Pratt. Uh, <laughs> they don't all look alike, Daniel. Gant. Uh, Gant. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Carol. Oh, true. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I, yeah. I, yeah. I wasn't even thinking about that because. So like, yeah, like I think that's at least that would have put us up to at least three. And you know, I like. I understand why people would say that and why this would say it was a, quote, more dignified route. But I also disagree with that having been an option. Like, I was was not a fan of even this sequence. Again, I understand, like, they show him coming to terms with, they show, obviously, it's a huge weight. It's a huge fucking deal that he's going through this. But I just, I I don't think it would have fit Romano. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah. But let's move on to the end of the episode. A couple scenes left. Uh, Carter's at McNulty's clinic banging on the door because, oh, no, he forgot his prescriptions. Cop ass pulls up and asks, you know, Carter, hey, what's, what's you got a problem here, sir? Because, you know, dude's just banging super hard on a door. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm a county, I'm a doc from county, and he might be in a diabetic coma or something like that if he's not answering the door and he's not answering his phone. So the cop busted in for the for a wellness check, and the clinic is cleared out. So, yeah, he said, then the cop says, oh, yeah, the clinic was only here for a few weeks. Like, these clinics, because he says, like, these things come and go. Sometimes, some are legit, some are not. But just, just what? So much with this. There's so much with just, this. Just, <laughs> just why? This is so fucking That's My weird. biggest question is, is why? So- Weird. This is this is goddamn Field of Dreams where they randomly time travel and then right. come back. This is, like this just, is so what? fucking bizarre. Like okay, never mind the fact. Like we've already addressed the disappearing assistant. Who it's like was she in on it? Like was she also part of this? You know, 
weird like ruse that like did they target Carter specifically because they knew he had like there's so many and like did they fake the blood levels did they like what there's so many unanswered questions with that the only thing I can think of was the guy was like fuck it fine I don't have to do this anymore I just got the world handed to me on a silver platter I'm done. Well, sure, I'm but just, then they but, but, but like then they build in the weeks. thing of like this is only here for a few weeks. That's the weird part. But I'm just saying, like at least if they hadn't included that line, it could have been all right. Sure. I'm done. Compared to adding the few weeks line in there and them saying like, oh, he's been working for years and blah blah blah. Do they ever actually say the clinic had been there for years? Yeah, it was it's. Talk to Fino. It's just, it's fucking weird, and I'm trying to make no, sure. sense and, of and chaos. Like, but he says, like, then, to take that line a little bit further, the clinic was only here a few weeks. Some yeah. are legit, some are scams. What's the scam? Like, giving away free health care That is a to very people? good like, point. What is, the, what is the end game to that? Like, It's like this. It's like the free COVID test thing, so some of them were really sketchy. It's like, what's the yeah, scam? Yeah, like, who's... Getting your information? Yeah, like, what is the scam here? And then, too, like, okay... He he's a con man. He and he got Carter's money, and he took the time to clear out all of the shit from the because it's only been like what couple hours like since he saw him. Tops. So like he rushed back to this clinic, cleared out every bit of because we saw it last episode. There were fucking exam tables and like it's all shit that's like really old and outdated. But it's like you went through all the trouble to like clear all that shit out. Just to, what, like, pack it all up into a U-Haul and, like, go to, I don't know, St. Louis or wherever the next spot is that you're going to scam people? It's just, like, what is this? And, like, is are we doing some sort of, like, like Lauren said, maybe off mic, I can't remember, but, like, are we doing some sort of, like, metaphysical Twilight Zone thing of, like, Carter imagined the whole thing? Well, no, because oh, because that- Abby talked to him, too, and, like, it's just... And it, I, I think it's supposed to fuel... At least that's the way they set it up, is that it's supposed to fuel his sort of, like more altruistic like I should be doing more kind of thing that eventually leads him to Africa but then they pull this weird like switcheroo where they're like actually the Twilight Zone right actually it was a scam all along and like what and so like I just don't get it and like the only thing Lauren and I were talking about this off mic before we started recording and like because none of us remembered this twist like none of us remembered this was where this was going and I was racking my brain trying to figure out like why did they do this like why do this because nothing in the the previous appearances the previous two episodes nothing indicates that this is where this is headed and the only thing i could think of was just like ed asner's really busy and a really prolific actor and i'm like maybe he got another job that like necessitated a quick exit and they needed to just wrap this shit up and get it over and done with and i went and did a little digging on his imdb and i will say the filming production schedule for Elf matches up pretty damn well with this episode. Like, they were filming from December of 2002 to March of 2003. So we're kind of, like, right smack in the middle of that time period at this point. I know he's not, like, a lead person in that movie, but, like, it's just maybe big mo- big uh, Hollywood movie production, uh, you know, big Will Ferrell movie maybe that would be enough to pull him off the ER schedule as a guest and just be like, well, actually, I was going to do four episodes, but now I'm only going to do three. Hope you can wrap it up. Like, that's the only thing I can think of, because otherwise this makes no sense. This is a twist for the sake of a twist. Like, M. Night Shyamalan is somewhere, like, nodding in the corner, because this is just a twist just to have a twist. I don't like it. 
it's dumb it undercuts the entire point of the story up to this point and it's it's made all the worse that it's scored by Coldplay in the background <laughs> like the fucking Coldplay continuing to like underscore Carter getting screwed just makes it as he looks absolutely baffled. right it just makes it that so much funnier and stupid to it. just you are I just such a I, I just I, I don't know I, I don't know what else to say well we can say that this is the end of, that we're ending the episode with oh Pratt also set to Coldplay just oh Leon's not here Darn. Did I do the right thing? I did the right thing, and now my life is going to be better for it. <laughs> right. Darn. And I'll never think about this again. And I'll never think about this episode again. Five out of ten, after we go back and just... After we nitpicked it, like, I thought it was I thought it was better when we first watched it, but now that we've actually, like, kind of torn apart the pieces a little bit, nah. Well, it's a mess. This episode it's a sucked. Mess. It's a... It is a, an R. Scott Gimmel original, that's for sure. Like, eh. So many... So many of the patients weren't even needed. Like, no. they were barely seen no, at all. No, the patients existed purely for his own personal axe grinding. Like, And to make really dumb ejaculation right. jokes or whatever. Like, when he's, not, when he's not trying to set up the next cum joke, he is he's actively, like, like, harassing and pointing out, at, like, things that, A, don't matter, and, like, like, doing it in the most obtuse, like, shitty, punch-down kind of way. Like, I just... We have 17 more episodes from this guy. And maybe, God like I said, maybe it. he gets better. Maybe there, there had to have been a reason maybe. they kept him around for as long as they did. But, like... Plot twist. He did all the Africa episodes. He just... <laughs> uh, you know... He has a brand. You gotta give him that. Like, he has a very consistent brand. Like, you know exactly what you're getting from a, an R. Scott Gamble episode, at least in this period. And uh, I can't... I can't be mad about that. I... But I'm, I'm like I'm going back through and I'm like trying to think of things that I would save from this episode and like again, I, just make this the I like the Romano again stuff. I was just gonna say make this the Romano comes to terms with losing his hand episode or losing his arm like you don't need any of the rest of this like the rest of this is wholly inconsequential. I have one if, other thing I would keep if it had play, paid off well. Uh, Susan, Lizzie, and Abby talking about Dorsey. Yeah. If that had evolved into a friendship again, fine, sure. keep that because Lizzie deserves. Yeah, friends. you could use that as a, yes. a nice kind of B plot through line throughout. You know, use use that as the levity to the sadness of you know Romano kind of coming to terms with things. Everything else in this episode yeah. is just it's not only weird and mismatched, but it just is like out of left field like he's just like picking shit out of a hat like here you go like this just ugh, i don't know i don't know man it sucks what the listener have to say lauren oh grace i love you you took the words right out of my mouth and it was you that made me look at this even closer so with that being said grace b says trigger warning for discussion of eating disorders but this is really important also content warning for jen because you know i love you and normally we're in agreement but I am going to murder Luka Kovac. I forgot this was this ep- episode. Seriously, fuck this dude. I am running him through with my short swords. Speaking on behalf of every single person who's ever lived through the hell of an eating disorder, EDs have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. According to ANAD.org, someone dies in the U.S. due to their eating disorder every 52 minutes. I know from personal experience that one, you basically have to be actively knocking at death's door before a hospital will admit you. 
I am lucky to, I am still alive. And two, every single person with an eating disorder is fully aware that other people in the world are starving to death and don't have access to clean water. I swear to God, that only adds to the guilt that feeds into the eating disorder in the first place. I don't care that he is depressed and alone. You do not get to come for people with eating disorders <sighs> like you know what the fuck you're talking about. I will consider your opinion worth my time only after you understand what it's like to literally have a house full of food your parents are begging you to eat and you can't sleep for more than a few hours at a time because you are so far into starving to death that the hunger pangs wake you up and they are so painful you cry. Never mind the mythical short swords. I am just going to beat him to a bloody pulp. Grace, I love you. That was perfect. You said it better than I could. Thank you so much for sharing, and we're glad you're with us. All right. Also, fuck Luca. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> okay, then. Well, on that note, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Really appreciate it. Uh, that's going to wrap up our episode for today. Uh, this show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast where there was some payment error stuff, so maybe double-check your subscription. There was... No, it was, I was reading about it because it was, there was a whole thing that our money got weird and apparently it was happening to people who pay into Patreon, not just ours, but everyone else's too, so. Oh, so check check that their subs are still active? Yeah, double check that your sub is still active. Or if you're a new person, please come join us. Uh, You can join us over at patreon.com slash podcast. uh, where for only $5 a month you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. Over several hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a freeform monthly bonus show called The Lounge, movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and character retrospectives where we reflect on departed main cast members. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, and we are at Podcast on Instagram. Fuck X, or Twitter, whatever. And we're not on threads, don't ask. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I feel really weird tonight. <laughs> uh, also, be sure to check out the official Saint Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Uh, folks can find me nowhere because I'm about to go crawl into bed and take the glorious nap nap. Juicebox and NapNap Squad, gotta represent. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Huh? Yes! I am at randomgamer1, that's J-M-3-R, same as my Twitter handle that I've been espousing for years now. Uh, trying to move away from that site. So, I'm posting more climbing reels. Lauren, Lauren is helping me film climbs and helping me edit them. And Y'all, y'all can them. see how much cooler she is than me at climbing. I mean, it's, you, it's not a competition. We have very different styles, but damn, she's a badass. All right. Well, thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. <laughs> <laughs>